Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. Are you ready for God's Word? Let's pray together. Father, we, we honor you for this time. We thank you for your Word. I pray that, Lord, the entrance of your Word will bring light, will bring life. Lord, you know where we are, each one of us, on air, online, right here. You know where we are on our journey and walk with you. And so we ask, God, that you will customize your word. Would you speak to us on our journey with you? You know where we are. May your word be relevant to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Pastor Julius has uh, given us, you know, an introduction to what our, our theme of the series is, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. And I believe as we walk towards Easter, it's going to be a time for us to reflect, to think about the cross of Christ. Because over the years, the significance, the importance of the cross of Jesus Christ has kind of, you know, dwindled. You know, our reverence and our understanding of the significance of the cross or the importance of the cross uh, has, has dwindled over time. In fact, some people uh, view the cross as a fashion symbol. We look at the cross as something, you know, we wear as jewelry. I won't ask you to look at your neighbor. Uh, we, we, we think of the cross as, a, you know, an art piece. Uh, some people have decided that, you know, the cross is, looks good and they put it on, uh, on, you know, on their shirts as a symbol. Uh, they put it on, on, on tattoos. We have them as wallpaper on our phone, uh, in our homes. Uh, the, the meaning of the cross has, has dwindled, not so much because we do that, but because we, we've not kept the real significance or understood what the cross really means. And throughout this series, we want to take time to think about the significance of the cross, to think about Easter and what happened and why Christ or God chose to bring Jesus at a time as this. I want to read to us a scripture that really talks about that process or the event uh, where Christ was crucified in Luke chapter 23 from verse 32 all the way to uh, verse 43. This is what it says. It says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there. And along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine and vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, 
Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Friends, the cross of Jesus Christ is not just a symbol. It's not just something that we use for fashion. The cross of Jesus Christ is an amazing, amazing event that took place many years ago. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, says this. He says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Praise the Lord. The message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing, but to us it is the power of God. Friends, at the heart of this Easter season is a very significant symbol. And that symbol is the symbol of the cross. Believers, to over 2,000 years ago, did not begin with the cross, by the way, as a symbol of Christianity. They began with others. But over time, the one thing that stayed true to our Christian faith was the cross of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it really is the power of God for those of us that are being saved. Praise the Lord. Now, where did this cross come from? Where did, you know, the, this kind of execution come from? And we want to look at just a bit of a, of a history about the cross. The cross was invented by a barbarian tribe or a people group. And it's not clear in history whether it was the Assyrians or the Persians. But one of them invented this very, very cruel way of executing criminals. But over time... The crucifixion was uh, uh, perfected by the Romans. It is the Romans who perfected this method of execution to become the world's worst form of executing uh, uh, criminals. In fact, it was reserved for the very worst, the vilest of criminals. Those are the ones who were uh, kept for death by crucifixion. It is so hard to think that that is the way our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was killed. And as we prepared this message, one of the things that really tugged on my heart, I kept asking myself, but why? Why, why would God, who knows all things, bring his son to die for our sins at a time when the worst form, the most cruel, gruesome, heinous way of execution had been invented? God knows the end from the beginning. God could have sent his son to come before the crucifixion was invented. He could have also sent him after. But God chose to send Jesus Christ at a time as that, I believe, to send us a message, to show us something. I believe that the message of Jesus Christ has something for us to learn. And I think that that message, number one, is to show us that sin must be punished. That sin before a holy, loving God cannot go without being punished. Sin must be punished. Today you hear stories or questions like these. People say, if God is love, why would he send people to hell? Why would he send his children to hell? As reading an article of someone who wrote, you know, in academia and said, listen, if God, you know, has called us to forgive one another, 
Why doesn't he practice what he preaches? Why can't he be as loving as he has called the rest of us? And I believe such questions come from an ignorance of the seriousness of what sin is. They come from a lack of knowledge or an understanding of how detestable sin is before a holy, loving God. Friends, sin is rebellion, rebellion before God. Sin, the Bible refers to sin as missing the mark, unrighteousness, iniquity, and evil of a degenerate kind. This is how the Bible refers to sin. In First John chapter 3, verse 4, the Bible says sin is lawlessness. Sin is rebellion. It's defiance. It's arrogance. It is a desire to be independent of God. The one who created us. Sin is that, that the way we behave when we, are, we decide we want to live independent of him. Sin is a disregard and a violation of known law. No one, no one can say in complete honesty that they sinned and they didn't know. <laughs> Most times, if not all times, we are aware and we still go ahead. Sin is failure to reach God's standard. A deliberate crossing of God's clear boundaries. Sin should not be dismissed as a blunder. It should not be dismissed as an error that can be rubbed off. No, sin is serious before God. It hurts God and hurts us. You know, God created us in his image. And we too are bothered. We are angered by sin. If you heard, and many times we hear, you know, terrible information where someone has defiled a child. Imagine that situation and that individual is given an opportunity to defend themselves. Well, just say something. And that individual gets the microphone or stands up and says, hey, I did not completely defile. I defiled a little bit. Exactly. Even just that person getting up to say that annoys us. We are moved when we see injustice, when we see sin. We are moved to call for justice, isn't it? That same nature, that same moral nature in us that seeks for justice, God is the one who put it in us. Because sin is detestable. Have you ever been robbed? Has someone, I remember sitting in a car once and a friend of mine was on a phone along Entebbe Road and he, had, he was supposed to travel the next day. Okay, and he was trying to communicate to the people where he was flying to. And a guy came and took the phone from him. And I remember the rage we all had in that car. <laughs> you know, the injustice of it. This person is going to sell that phone for 100,000. It doesn't even, even if it was a million shillings. But this individual who had been robbed, all his contacts, the travel, everything was on that phone. The reason we feel that God should forgive and God should, you know, have mercy without any repercussion is because we do not understand the seriousness of God. But at the same time, we do not understand the seriousness of sin, but at the same time, we do not understand the holiness of God. Friends, God is not like us. 
God is not like us. God is holy. The holiness of God refers to the absolute moral purity of God. And also the absolute moral distance between God and his human creatures or creation. The prophet Isaiah declared, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. In Isaiah 6 verse 3, it is the only description of God repeated in the threefold formula. What Isaiah was trying to tell us is that God is really, really, really holy. Let me bring it down to you know, a normal simple example. If one of you walked up to me now and slapped me, from the shock of it, I'll probably respond in two ways. The first way is, by instinct, I'll probably want to return the slap to you or, you know, re retaliate in one way or another. But thank God that I've been saved for at least over 20 years and I believe that God has done a work in me that I would probably not return the slap. The other reason why I would not return the slap is because I'm small and I know you might even beat me, you know, so I just let it go. <laughs> let it go. But think of, think of this, another situation. If you walked up to Kololo Airstrip or when the president is giving a speech and somehow you sneaked right next to him and slapped him. What would happen? Obviously, we know you'd immediately receive the repercussion of that. <laughs> when you slap me, I can forgive you. It's not a big deal. But when you slap the president, you have not just slapped the president. You have touched the office of the president. And his response to you creates something called precedent. Because if he says it's okay, then it might be okay for someone else to do it. And as a result of that, he has to show, or that office has to bring a punishment so that no one else thinks they can do that. Friends, our God is way above the office of the president. He is way above. If God decided to forgive and just let go of sin, it would go against his very nature that he is holy and that he is just. Friends, the cross of Jesus Christ sends us a message about the detestableness of sin, the seriousness of sin. But not only that, that before God, sin must be punished. The Bible tells us in Romans 6 verse 23 is that for the wages of sin is death. And at the cross we see Jesus experiencing the wrath of God. Mark chapter 15 verse 33 to 37 says, At noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling to Elijah. Someone ran, filled a, a sponge with wine and vinegar, put it on, on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah can come and take him down, he said. 
with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Friends, the significance of the cross, the importance of the cross, the message of the cross is God is trying to tell us sin is bad, sin is detestable, and sin must be punished. But because God is not only holy, but he is also loving. God knew that you and I could not carry the punishment of sin and survive it. He knew. And therefore, he knew that you and I needed a substitute. And that's the second message that the cross gives us. The cross tells us that we needed a substitute. This concept of substitute or substitutionary offering was initiated in the Old Testament. And we see in the Old Testament that God required his children to sacrifice animals for their sins to be forgiven. Instead of man getting his due penalty for sin, the animals became man's substitute. Their death atoned for man's sins, but for only one year. And therefore, they had to repeat the same sacrifice on and on. But thanks be to God. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 3 to 7 and 10, it says this, But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then he said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. And, that by, and by that will, we have made holy, or we have made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ once and for all. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible tells us that because of the substitutionary effect of Christ on the cross, you and I today have forgiveness of sin once and for all. Once and for all. <laughs> John the Baptist in John chapter 1 verse 29 says, In the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John Stott in his book, The Cross of Christ, writes and says, God's love must be wonderful beyond comprehension. God could quite justly, quite justly have abandoned us to our fate. He could have left us alone to reap the fruit of our wrongdoing and to perish in our sins. It is what we deserved, but he did not because he loves us. He came after us in Christ. He pursued us even to the desolate anguish of the cross where he bore our sin, guilt, judgment, and thereafter death. It takes a hard and stony heart to remain unmoved by love like that. It is more than love. Its proper name is grace, which is love for the undeserving. Christ's salvation, my friends, must be a free gift because he purchased it for us at a high price of his own blood. So what is there left for us to pay? Nothing. Nothing. Since he claimed that all was now finished, 
there is nothing for us to contribute. Not of course that we now have a license to sin and can always count on God's forgiveness. On the contrary, the same cross of Christ, which is the ground of free salvation, is also the most powerful incentive to a holy life. First, we have to humble ourselves at the cross of Christ, confess that we have sinned and deserve nothing at his hand but judgment. Then thank him that he loved us and died for us and receive from him a full and free forgiveness. Praise the Lord. Friends, the cross of Jesus Christ, the cross of Christ has a message for us. And that message is the recognition, the ability to see that sin, however small and however big, is detestable before a holy God and must be punished. Must be punished. When God is being himself, when God is at his very best, he must punish sin. But because God, again at his very best, loves us dearly, he sent us a substitute in the person of Jesus Christ. Billy Graham said it this way. He says, the cross shows us the seriousness of our sin. But it also shows us the immeasurable love of God. Listen, listen to how other writers of the word of God put it. They said he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. He says we are all like sheep and have gone astray. Each one of us has turned his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Bible says that the John, John, in, in, uh, John the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Son of Man came, the Bible tells us, to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ has sacrificed was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. He himself bore our sins in the body on the tree. Praise the Lord. The Bible continues and says Christ died for our sins once for all, the righteous, but even for the unrighteous, to bring you to glory. I love what Paul says in First Corinthians when he says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We give thanks to God for Jesus Christ, who has become a substitute for our sin. For our sin. We read this scripture at the beginning. It says the cross of Jesus Christ, the message of the cross, is foolishness for those who are perishing. It means nothing. But for us who are being saved, it's truly the power of God. It's my prayer, friends, as we walk towards Easter, that we'll take time to talk about, to think about, to meditate on, to stop and just have moments to reflect on the cross of Christ, its significance and what it has done for us. Amen? I want to ask you right now, 
if you don't mind, just bow your head and just take some time to pray up and just commit yourself back to God and give thanks to God for what he has done on air and online, wherever you are watching us, our family online, would you do that right now? As we've heard from God's word, he has done incredible things for us. A holy God, a holy God who has loved us enough to send his son to die for us on the cross. Would you respond to him right now? And I don't know how that will be. For some of us, your response might be to recommit your life to him and say, Lord, I had taken what you have done, this free gift for granted. God, I recommit my life to you again. For some of us, you're here and you might never have given your life to Christ. Maybe this is your first time to hear this message. Wherever you are, we sang that song, the king is in the room, he's here. That invitation still stands for you. Right here in this room, right there online, he's still giving that invitation. The Bible tells us that this is the reason why Jesus Christ came. So that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. If that is you, my friend, and you're here, I want to invite you to give your life to Christ. If you've never done it, if you're online and you've never given your life to Christ, you just use the emoji of a hand and just click it and say, hey, I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to respond to the love of God, to his sacrifice for me by committing my life to him. If you're here in person, you've never given your life to Jesus. Would you do that right now where you're seated? Surrender your heart to the one who loves us more than anyone else. Surrender your heart to him. We want to pray with you. But before that, I want to invite you to do that right where you are. The Bible tells us that we commit our hearts to him. And then right after that, we confess it with our mouth. So would you do that? In your own words, would you say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Forgive me for wanting to live my life independent of you, independent of your will and your way. God, this day, I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. Friend, if you have said that prayer, if you've said that prayer online, on air, we really want to connect with you. So just send us a message. If you're here and you've said that prayer, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. We want to reach out and pray with you. Would you do that right now? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Online, thank you. Come on, thank you. Thank you. Raise that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. God, most importantly, sees those hands. Upstairs, don't be shy. Come on, raise that hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for raising your hand. Thank you for giving your life to Jesus. Thank you. The Bible says that even if it's just one who has given their life to Christ, there is a party in heaven. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you see every hand that's raised. We ask God that you will watch over the decision that has been made. Would you come into their lives? Oh God, would you set them right now on a new course of life? Holy Spirit, come into their lives. We give you praise. We give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, 
write to connect at waterchurch.com. Hey, 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 hey.